Welcome on into the 23 Podcast. I'm Cam. That's Zach. Episode 6. It's been a few days after that sad Saturday night. But Cam, how are we feeling? Uh, now that I've had time to digest everything, I feel a little bit better. At the time, it was a real gut punch to see us losing to Colgate, especially when Colgate put up triple digits against us, which is not something that I was thinking that was going to happen coming into the game, but feel a little bit better. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we can take away from this game, kind of learn, move forward. And how do we start this? How do we break it down? Where, where do we begin with Zach? I mean, I think you got to ask yourself a few questions first. Is it time to hit the panic button? Should we be worried? Is is this the end? And while this is worrying and all those you could argue, maybe, you know, this is bad. But overall, I would just say no. I like to really compare this loss to Bryant from a few years ago. And I can't remember what year that was, but we still had a great season despite losing to a mid-major school at home early in the season. And I think that's the key point is it's early in the season. It's game three. We still have 30 games plus to play this year. So there's time. There's time to fix our mistakes, fix our problems. And this is not the end. And we got to remember too, people are calling Colgate. It should have been an easy win. It should have been a bye game. And with some respects, it was a, a bye game. But this is a really solid team. This is a great team that yes they had two losses coming into the t- coming into the game but this is a team that made the tournament a year ago and they brought back all of their team every single person they brought back every single one and Nelly Cummings he didn't start off very well I think he only had three points for like the majority of the first half but he started to come alive in the second half um and they they like the whole team just I mean, they they basically came alive at the same time because, you know, they were down quite a bit in the beginning. Syracuse went off to a really strong run and you kind of thought to yourself, oh, you know, this is going to be an easy game, a walk in the park. But then they finally started shooting their threes and making them. You know, Jack Ferguson ended up coming away with 25 points. This is a really solid program. It really is. Colgate's done a really good job with their program. And hopefully for our sake, they continue to have a great season and they make the tourney again. So this loss isn't as bad as people are saying. Um, like, hats off to Colgate. You got to give them respect. They stuck to the game plan. They lived by the three and they proved that they could they could beat us. Lights out shooting. 41% from the three. 18 three-point makes. That's crazy. It is crazy. It's really, really crazy. And... I think that they exposed a lot of flaws in our defense, not the the zone per se, but like the actual defense itself and how our players are, are running the defense. I think that Drexel did that too, where they exposed some of the holes in our defense. And I think that it's a very good lesson to learn moving into the Atlantis tournament because we're going to be facing some really quality programs that are easily going to expose our defense but I think that this is definitely a valuable game that we can use kind of moving forward in the year. And I think that we should definitely start uh, on the defensive side because that's 
Would you say, Zach, that like those are the two things that uh, lost us the game, our defense and, and rebounding? Absolutely. And just before we get into defense and rebounding and breaking down, you know, what, what went bad in this game, just baseline, we are so much better as a team than what we saw against Colgate. Absolutely. We are so, so, so much better. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is like, it would be different if this was like a high ledger, high major team that we just like, we just played our best, but we still lost. We played our worst and it showed. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, to start the game, Colgate was 0 for 12 from three and they had a lot of open shots to go along with that. Just from the get-go, the score may have not indicated it, but there were already flaws happening um, on our defensive side. So, like, we had, I don't remember what the exact score was in the beginning, but we were up by quite a bit. But it certainly didn't look that way because a lot like Drexel, who was missing some pretty good shots, and they just weren't making them throughout the game, Colgate had a lot of open looks, and they just weren't able to hit. And then once they started hitting, they started going on their runs. Yeah, like you said, Colgate started the game 0 for 12 in the first half, which is just insane that they kept on shooting after that. But our D was truly getting lucky. A lot of those shots were open. I don't know what it was, but they were just missing all their shots. Frazzled, nerves, whatever it was, they went 0 for 12. But credit to them because they stuck to their game plan. I know we've already mentioned this, but they they went from 0 to 12 to finish the game 1843, which is just like, this is mind-boggling that that happened within the same game. Yeah, it really is. They ended up shooting 43 threes. I don't think I've ever heard a team shooting that many threes, but it shows that the one way that you can really expose a zone is if you make your threes, if you are able to shoot really well. And it seemed like their game plan kind of from the get-go was to just you know, get as many threes off as they can, try to get as many open looks, and you live by the three, you die by the three. That's what their game plan was. And like you said, credit to them for sticking to it. Even when they weren't making anything, they came into this game. The only game that they had uh, attempted, I guess, close to that May threes was uh, SUNY Poly. No, it was actually Cornell. I'm sorry. Uh, when they had 32 threes and that's nowhere close to 43. So like live by the three, they die by the three, man. Credit to them. They did a tremendous job of sticking to their game plan. They also had great ball movement. They're moving the ball in and out of the zone, making people get on the rotations, and getting guys open. Which that led to a lot of assists. They had 26 assists on 32 made shots, which is an insane stat line. Even just 26 assists is like, that's like, I don't even know. Like you, Not many games do you see a team have 26 assists. 26 assists. Another thing too, Zach, like they were getting the ball moving very well to, I think it was their center who was around like the free throw range and he wasn't knocking down any of those shots, but even the announcers were being like, you got to shoot that because it was wide open, a wide open look. And I guess like when you look at the, the zone by nature, you're going to have that hole. But like, even if the guy isn't making those shots, Shouldn't you still be blocking that? Shouldn't you still be like contesting that in some way? Because it seemed like we weren't doing that whatsoever. Well, when the, when the ball gets moving, it's whipping around. It's just chaotic. It's chaos. It's like 
it, it, it was like that towards the second half when they were just ripping threes and just like the, the score was getting out of hand. It's just, it just looks and feels like chaos from like like a, a viewing perspective and like the ball is whipping out, guys are running to the to the sides and it's just like it's just chaos when, when the when the, the the second your center goes out to to contest the three like unless your rotations are perfect it's like game over yeah absolutely it's gonna be a little bit of a generalization but which section of the zone do you think needed more work I guess to kind of sew up like any of those you know open passes that they were able to have I mean I honestly do not know the zone well enough to to break it down I mean they it's I honestly have no idea I can't even speak on that (laughs) yeah I guess asking that I was more or less like do you think it's like buddy and joe maybe are just not getting to their spots quick enough do you think it's maybe like the wings aren't really contesting enough passes i just don't know like how you how you be able to break that down how you be able to slow down their ball movement i mean ultimately it comes down to everyone right but i do know jim mentioned his presser that and he doesn't like to use a stat but he mentioned benny had a horrible plus minus which is something he doesn't refer to often but he did note that Benny had like a plus 30-something. I think it might have been even higher. But he was suggesting that Benny did not help our defense. So maybe our power, our forwards weren't doing their job. Ultimately, like I said, it goes down on everyone. But a lot went wrong. That's for sure. Which is interesting that you say that because it seemed like at one point Benny was getting more minutes than Cole was. I think, what did I say at the half, Zach? Well, he was in foul trouble. Yeah, no, 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 I understand that. Yeah, so Cole had kind of like Cole had, explains everything. Yeah, Cole had three fouls at the half, but he still yep. had like what two minutes of play time, something like that. That's still like it was a huge margin, and yeah, Benny was—you could tell that he really wasn't doing much. <laughs> you could tell that he was a little bit lost in the zone, and that's going to come with time. That's going to come with time, and I don't expect him to be ready to go immediately out of the gate, ready for the zone. Cause that's just a huge transition from high school defense, man to man to, you know, you're going ACC or you're, you're going to an ACC team playing in a zone. It's going to be totally different. So I don't expect him to be ready out of the box, but yeah, he did look a little bit lost. And on top of that, he's coming into a zone that's already frazzled. That's already getting beat. So like the, the, the zone isn't moving well already. So he's, he's joining a zone that isn't, moving well while he's still trying to learn the zone so it's just it's just a culmination of bad things and you can't put it all on benny obviously so it's just a tough task and there's i guess that's all there is to say about that so we mentioned foul trouble a little bit with cole the other person that got into foul trouble was was jesse he had five uh buddy had three and frank had two so this is kind of the first time that we've seen the team really in foul trouble i guess uh how do you, I guess, how do you approach that? Like, I guess with, with Jesse, like, again, just running into struggles once again in the center position. And it's it's really aggravating because he follows up what we thought was a really good game by him and Frank to a, a game where, yeah, he had eight rebounds, but he was still definitely getting beat on the boards. Yeah, I mean, obviously some fouls are inevitable. Any game you're going you're gonna to foul, it's just part of the game. But foul trouble is testament of bad defense. You know, guys are overcommitting, 
and to compensate for bad D, they're, they're fouling. So it's something you don't love to see. And obviously, Jesse has a hard task because, you know, he has to anchor the zone. He has to contest anything that comes to the rim. So it's inevitable that he's going to get fouls because he's, you know, try, he's going up against shots, which majority of other guys, you know, they're contesting threes and stuff like that, but not as, it's not as tight, not as, there's not as much contact. So, like you said, it's the first time this season It's we really saw someone follow up where there's real foul trouble or Cole like that. Cole, Cole's foul trouble impacted the, his game and the whole game, honestly. It really did. There were some moments where Cole definitely should have been in, but like you said, he couldn't be because he was in foul trouble by like the end of the first half. And I think if you have, if you sub him in for some of Benny's mistakes, you have a little bit more of a veteran mind in there. I don't think that those mistakes get made. But at the same time, I guess you could argue that it is a good lesson, you know, learning lesson for Benny to be out there when Cole is having foul trouble. He's kind of learning the system, learning everything that's going on. He's learning the hard way. Um, But I I still think that there's something that needs to be touched up on uh, the foul trouble. And it's really strange to be seeing this like this early, I guess. I don't really remember having a game this early where like, We've had to talk about foul trouble before. Usually it comes in like ACC play where we're playing like Florida State or something like that. Yeah, you know, guys aren't playing smart. Obviously, the score and turnout of the game showed that we guys weren't playing smart. So foul trouble is inevitable. Rebounding. Big, big, big red flag uh, during the game. Colgate out-rebounded us 44-34. to 34. It just goes back to like the Jesse and Frank thing where it's like, just expect a little bit more out of them. Uh, Jimmy did great. He had 10 rebounds. He had 11 points. He actually had a double-double in this game, which was pretty cool. Where would you see, like, looking at the box score, where are kind of, like, the gaps that we need to be working on as far as, like, the rebounding margin? So, like you said, Colgate out-rebounded us by 10. And they also beat us offensively 19 to 12 offensive rebounds. They had seven more offensive rebounds with us, which really adds up. And if you watch the game, they had several second, third, and even fourth chances after missing shots on offense, which is just so like miserable to watch. Yeah, it really is. And the one, the one thing too, uh, I remember there was a, uh, moment in the game it was towards the end of the game when we were still kind of in it where we still could have made a run where we're underneath the basket and we had three attempts we had three different rebounds and then three attempts to put the ball back and we just nothing ever happened our putbacks were awful they were so 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 bad missing like wide open layups too like shots that we should be making and it's just not falling like underneath the hoop yeah, I, honestly, it's it really came as a surprise because we have a veteran team and you'd think in these situations where all composure is lost that these guys would ground themselves and find the composure as they are veteran players that have you know been in experiences like this before. But for some reason, they couldn't find their feet. They couldn't find their ground and they just struggled. And I don't know. I really don't know. What happened there? You you would think that they would be able to find some grounding and and like I guess there's flashes where like where he started itching back and you know maybe making a run, but just enough bad happened and it was kind of too late to overturn. 
Do you think that Jesse still kind of looks like he's still trying to grow into himself a little bit? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's game three, and he's still finding his way. Like, he's still, like, putting up decent numbers, like, eight eight points, eight rebounds. Like, that's not bad. Like, you'll take that. Yeah. You know, you'll take that. So, he's still finding his way. He's still learning, and... Not only him, but the whole team is learning. So we got some work to do. And Jim, Jim, Jim likes to echo that too. He's like, you know, even after wins, he's like, we got, we got a lot of work to do. So <laughs> there's, there's always work to be done. I guess one of the positives that you can take away is that there were 32 points in the paint. But I want to know, like, how many of those were put back points? Because I feel like it's pretty low. And I don't know. There were just a lot of, like, head-scratching moments where it's like... I remember there was one with Samir who he was like underneath the hoop or he had like a drive-in or whatever and he just missed I feel like Samir can't like buy he has so many great looks and he just still can't buy a bucket he came away with five points in this I'm waiting for him to like break out have his breakout game I feel like it's coming soon hopefully but I'm a little worried that he's not going to get as much playing time now with with JG3 actually like doing pretty well yeah JG3 is playing super well I mean, I do think Samir does bring a different element to the game, which is something we've talked about previous episodes. But you're right. He really can't He can't buy Bucket. Everything up until his his shot is great. But then his shot, like, some of his misses are, like, pretty ugly. Yeah. Like, they're not, like, you know, rolling out. They're, like, whoa. Like, he's just, like, he's just going too fast, I feel. He needs to, like, slow it down a little bit and, like, really, really, really take his time. I don't know. It's, it's... Do you think he might be like trying too hard? I don't know. I just think his his I don't know what it is. He's this he's I think he's going too quick and he kind of just throws it up there. Like I don't I really don't know if he just needs to slow down a little bit and like be a little bit more methodical, maybe find some sneaky passes, maybe like you do a little pull up. But he just kind of like gets by his defender and just runs to the rim and just chucks it up there, it seems like, and you know, the shot you know, sometimes does not look very pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I see what you mean. He's, there were two drives, I think, where I believe one of them, he drove him with his left hand, threw it off the glass, but it was like a foot over the square or like two feet over the square. And he, you know, just like completely like missed the rim. And it's like, dude, you got to make that. You got to make that. And I think he might be just like in his head a little bit when he starts to drive in. Maybe he's just, he gets a little bit too frazzled. Maybe he just, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but there's, there's flashes. There were flashes in this game too, that you can see what he's trying to do. And I love what he's trying to do, but it's just a matter of like composure and just thinking while you're starting to drive in and everything and not trying to force something that might not be there. Another headline to come out of this game, sort of another negative, there were quite a few, was the season low in total assists. We go from 26 where we were, you know, that was like the first time in a very long time that we had that many assists, and then 17, and now 13, eight in the first half, and then only five in the second half. I if you're not going to move the ball at all, you're not going to get too much success against a very hot opponent like Colgate. Yeah, this is very concerning. 
like you mentioned, eight in the first half, and then only five. It just shows we're not moving the ball. We're not playing together. And you, we were literally just playing 1v1 hero ball. We're not playing. We're not moving. There were so many times people were like, we're just shooting. There's no movement on offense. And we were just, I, I don't even know what we were doing. It was just, it, it was tough to watch. Yeah, it really was. The two notable zeros in the assist category, Buddy and then Cole. Cole's the surpriser too, because it seems like he's been dishing out the ball quite well, kind of sharing the love a little bit, but he didn't have too great of a performance for this game. Yeah, both those guys in games prior today had four and five. Buddy had four and five games prior, and then Cole had four and three in games prior assists. And like Cam said, both scored a goose egg with with assists against Colgate. JG3 had eight assists, which is great on paper. Samir had uh, two as well. But one notable thing, Zach, uh, that you had mentioned was that JG3 only had one assist in the second half. And Samir, obviously, with this two, when you only have a couple of assists between your point guards, when they're really not moving the ball that well, I feel like you can't get too much success at all against a, a very solid defense. No, you really can't. And the result of the second half is is a result of having five assists and one assist from your point guard and then two two assists from your backup point guard. We weren't moving the ball. We weren't playing as a team. And we paid the price. I don't know what, I don't know what else to say. I feel like with Samir, like you expect a little bit more out of him because he's so good at driving in and like kind of forcing opportunities for other players. I feel like that two assist margin, it's just not going to cut it at all. I understand that he only had 11 minutes to play and that JG3 was you know going off in spurts, but especially with him, when he comes in to bring in a whole different pace to the offense, that's just not going to cut it. Yeah, what I would really love to see from Samir is this, like I love his pace, but I'd love to see him slow down just a little bit and just be more methodical. Find find some better passes, find some sneaky passes, and, and just have more composure when you when you take these shots. A lot of his shots, I mean, I know we've mentioned this before, but they just were like bad misses. They they weren't close misses. They were just bad misses, which is we and it's happening too much, and it's a problem. So he's got he's got to reel it in a little bit and have a little more composure. We talked about three point shooting on the Colgate side of things. Took so many threes. For Cuse, they took a fair amount of threes, but basically didn't make anything. Seven for 23 uh, from three. They were eight for 16 against Drexel, and they were 13 uh, for 26 against Lafayette. Are you comfortable with us taking that like amount of threes, even when they might not be falling? I mean, we are certified shooters. We have certified shooters on the team, so I am okay with that. The way we were doing it, I'm not okay. Like we already mentioned... We had 11 assists on the game, and then you compare that to Lafayette, where we have 13 threes made. We had 26 assists that game. Yeah, which is testament how much better we're playing. We're playing with each other. We're finding good shots. But Colgate, we were just chucking them out there. Yeah, and again, we mentioned him again. He he did not have a good game. Cole was 0 for 4 uh, from three. I feel like he. He just didn't have a good game. I, what do you think like was going on with him that he just wasn't like nothing was was falling for him and he just he looked a little bit different in this one. 
Yeah, I'm not sure what what exact first plays got him into his foul trouble, but as soon as he was in foul trouble, Cole was was not the the reliable you know stat stuffer that we've been seeing in previous games. So I, I really don't know what happened, but his mojo was off, which which happens. Guys can have bad games, and I guess I guess that's all you can boil down to. I'm not really sure what to, what to pinpoint it on. Like we mentioned, Jimmy. He did have a double-double, but he did not hit anything from three. I still feel like he had a pretty solid outing. He had a couple moments where he was really starting to kind of flip the the pace back to the orange. He still is building himself in the orange uniform. And again, Zach, you can see like the the spurts of Jimmy that like, why people were so excited for him to come here in the first place because he's such a, an, an electric player when he plays. Yeah, we mentioned this before. He's still got a double-double in the game. A double-double is no easy task, so definitely hats off to Jimmy. Good on him. But no stat line matters in a loss. Obviously, like it's great. JG3 even had a better game, and we'll talk about more about his stat line later. But no guy truly cares about their stat line in a loss. So That's true. as much as he played well... It's just like, we lost. Who cares? Yeah. The one guy that we highlighted uh, coming into the game, Nellie Cummings. So Jack Ferguson and Nellie Cummings had more attempts together at the three than all of Houston. So it just kind of shows you like how many threes Colgate took in total uh, against Cuse. And look, man, if you're going to live by the three, you're going to die by the three. And they were certainly hitting. I mean, you you can't really like do anything about that. It's just, it is what it is. But the one thing that you, you absolutely should not do is I feel like discredit the zone immediately after one game. And that's what people were doing all the time, Zach, like on Twitter after a loss, our third game of the season, Jim needs to go. The zone needs to go. It's outdated. I hate. I hate, 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 hate reading that stuff like that. It makes me laugh now, but it really, like, it boils my blood, man. I hate it so much. Twitter was a very, very dark place after the game Saturday night. I tried to stay away from it. It Obviously, some of those comments seep through, and you read them, and you just think, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know what else to say other than what is wrong with you? Like who 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 hurt you? I think it's a better question to to those people. But it's just ridiculous that people are so eager to 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 to, to pack up pack up your your bags and have Jim leave Syracuse after 46 years of coaching after how many I've done, tournament man. runs I've done. after championship it's like get him out of here. It's like I don't know. It's just wild. It's just, you know what they are, Zach? They're fake fans. Fake, fake fans. fans, 100%. You can't be a fan and say how much you love Syracuse, how much the zone kicks butt in March, and then the third game in the season say, oh, I can't believe it. Jim needs to go. Why are we playing the 2-3 zone? It's archaic. It's outdated. Like, there's a reason why it's effective, all right? And then there's a reason why it isn't effective, just like man defense is sometimes ineffective and not effective. The 3-2 zone has its holes. The 1-3-1 has its, has its holes. Every defense has a hole, and it's not, like, perfect, all right? It's it, the 2-3 zone 
is an imperfect defense, just like every other one. And I I don't understand why these people need to take to the streets to say that Jim Beheim needs to go. Like you said, after all the success that he has had, out of all the years, after the national championship, after all the final four runs, nope, this loss against Colgate, it's it. I'm done. We can't we can't continue anymore. Screw the Bahamas. Come home. Jim needs to leave. He needs a pack-up shop. It's just, like, calm down. Don't you have something better to do, man? Come on. All right, so fair warning. This is a bit of a hot take, but it's starting to feel like the zone has to be almost perfect, firing on all cylinders to be truly effective, especially when the ball is whipping around and guys are making rotations. It's just like chaos, and we saw that against we saw that against Colgate. We've seen this against other teams when when the teams is like brushing our teeth, like Colgate did. When when a teams is like pulling us through the ringer and just making threes on us, moving the ball around, it's just like I I don't know like how how to combat that. It feels like we have to be like one hundred percent, or like they just got us, and it it, it kind of makes me question like, is it too difficult? To, to truly make these rotations are these rotations is kind of ridiculous especially like like one one run rotation falls and another guy has to make up for it and then and it's just like a it's a domino effect of people like making up for the next guy then eventually one guy can't make it because they're just too spread thin at that point and are, are our guys athletic not keep up with it i mean this is like really getting into it but i i just i don't know sometimes you start to question that a little bit i think that that's a fair question to ask especially after this tournament when we're going to be playing very, very good opponents. I'm not saying that Colgate isn't a good opponent, but you know we're going to be playing like hopefully the likes of Michigan State or Baylor or uh, Loyola Chicago, like one of those guys, UConn. And I think that that's something that's very, very fair to ask. That's a healthy kind of criticism though. And it kind of goes back to like these all these outlandish comments that you hear from people that are like, oh, a two, three zone doesn't work. It hasn't worked for years. Like that's not a fair criticism. I think a fair criticism is, are we athletic enough to keep up with it? And like exactly like what you had just said, do you think that we are less athletic in the zone this year than we were in, in sort of years past? Maybe. I mean, you just have questions like, I, I don't think any guys in our starting five are like true athletic guys. I don't think anyone describes these guys as like true. They don't have the balance that Benny has or other, you know, guys that we've had in the past, like Elijah Hughes and Tyus Battle. Those guys were like athletic to the max. And we don't really have that guy anymore on this team. I think that we have it on the bench. Don't you think like I understand like the starting five, maybe the closest one that comes to that is Cole, maybe. But you've got a guy like Samir who can play pretty solid defense. Benny is still adjusting to the zone. I mean, he's a he's a new kid, you know, he's give him give him time. I feel like those two guys might be athletic enough to keep up with the zone, but I see what you mean, where especially at the top of the zone, too, you got Joe and you got Buddy who, let's face it, they're not exactly the best defenders in the world. And then you got Jimmy, who's still kind of adjusting to the zone, too. There are holes in it, and I think that they are um, exposed even more so when you've got a team who can move the ball around like that and who can 
uh, sort of create spaces. You know, the the first game that we had against Lafayette, they didn't really do much. They just kind of, you know, had their set plays. And if they worked, they worked. If they didn't, they didn't. But if you're going to get a team that's actually going to move the ball around very, very quickly, that's going to be a problem down the line. And I agree with you, Zach. I don't know if we're athletic enough to handle it yet, but I feel like we probably can down the road, wouldn't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And like, I don't want to say that... that the the two three zones over like that's not my my statement here at all. I want to make that clear to anyone listening. <laughs> I don't want to you know get hate comments <laughs> anytime soon here. The, the zone is going to be effective this year, one hundred percent. It's it's going to stop people. It's going to frazzle people as it does every single year. And I want to make that clear. I do think kind of one of the things we do or what Jim does, not what we do, what Jim does to when when the zone is you know for lack of better words failing. We go to the press, and we did the press against Colgate, and the press didn't help us at all. We have seen the press work in years past. And I guess, again, that kind of asks, like, are we athletic enough for the press? You know, we saw the press is like a, a, a great extension of the 2-3 zone. We saw like the, the famous Virginia game in the tournament a few years ago with Malachi Richards and Tyrell Leiden. The, the, the press t- against Virginia is what beat for, is what made us win against Virginia, not not necessarily the zone. The press, the the press brought us back in the game. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I agree with you, and I think that this is a great question to ask going into the tournament, going into uh, the battle for Atlantis, is what I mean. Um, it's a good building block. It's motivation for us. That's motivational. I think that's a healthy kind of criticism, Zach, and I'm I'm happy that. You were able to like come up with that instead of just oh, the two three zone. It fails. Get him out of here. Get Jim out of here. It doesn't work. That's not healthy. That's not healthy to think that. What is healthy is to kind of motivate the guys and just say, "Listen, this is a weakness right now. We know what our weaknesses are going into battle for Atlantis, and I think that these are things that are going to take time to fix. But once we do fix them, we can be an incredibly dangerous team down the line." Listen, I love this team. I love Jim Beheim. And of course, I love the 2 3 zone. It's our namesake. Come on, this is a 2 3 podcast. Of course, we love the 2 3 zone. So I don't know what else there is to say other than that. Listen, Jim, you can't get rid of the 2 3 zone, all right? Our 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 name of our podcast kind of def- like it depends on that, all right? You can't go to like really the 3 does. 2. You can't go to the 3 2. We can't change it, okay? That's going to be too difficult. So please. We don't want to change the graphics. Keep the two three zone. It works. It's effective. The people on Twitter can can go find something better to do than complain on on Twitter. Twitter was a really dark place after the game, Zach. I tried to refrain from it as much as I could. Let's go to some good in this game. We've talked enough positivity. about the bad. Yeah, we need some positivity in this in this episode. The Joe Jesse connection. Seems to be evolving pretty well. It was especially evolving in the beginning of the game. It kind of fell apart there towards the end because we were just trying to get too much stuff going at once. But it's really cool to see like this this point guard center connection that I feel like we haven't had in a very long time. Yeah, they had a beautiful alley oop dunk, which I don't think we've had like a true true alley oop dunk. We've had you know some some for some like passes up to like to a dunk but like this was like a true alley-oop dunk and it was like beautiful it like, was gorgeous. I don't think we've seen this yet have we I have don't we seen like a true alley-oop dunk 
not, not this, this year. No, not this year. I don't think that we have. This, it was cool to see like them connecting that well and to kind of get a little bit of energy going in the game. Speaking of Joe, too, he had a heck of a game. He was absolutely the highlight. I mean, he was clearly like our player of the game. Uh, 27 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. Zach, it seems like Len Falls Joe is is back at it again. He sure is. 5 for 8 from 3 that game. Now 13 for 16 on the year. And averaging 19.3 points, 6 to 6, and 4 rebounds overall. Like, Joe is playing his heart out. And I, it's great to see. He is. He really is. And it seems like it's it's been a while since we've been waiting to get this Joe back. We knew it was there. We knew it was there, especially last year, but there were just so many silly shots that he was taking. And every single shot that he has taken, even his misses uh, against Colgate, they weren't bad misses, I didn't think. They were very smart shots, and they just didn't fall. You know, he was he was very confident when he took them. He was poised. He was collected. And I think for me, just seeing that confidence again is inspiring, like, as a fan to be like, okay, I can finally say that, like, Joe is clearly, like, the point guard of this team. And there were so many questions going into the year if he was going to be able to handle it, if he was going to be back, what kind of player were we going to get? I feel like I'm pretty, again, we're only three games into the season now, but at this point in time, I feel like he is like one of the lone bright spots right now in this team where it's like, all right, he is he is solidified at that one position. I have no questions behind it. He He's ready to go, man. I'm really, really happy that he is, he is out there as a starter. Also, Buddy Beheim, 40 minutes in the game, Zach. Stat of the game, playing the entire game. He only came out for like a half a second, but he got 19 points. I thought that he was all right, too. Yeah, you know, everyone, you know, chipped away and eventually got, you know, decent stat lines. Obviously, like I've said prior, no one's truly happy. But, you know, Buddy played, gave it gave it all he could, given the situation, given how things were falling down and, you know, played 40 minutes so you gotta you know give him give him a pat on the back for you know you know putting his body on the line and playing 40 minutes yeah and it kind of shows that it is his team like he his team was down he was grinding he was out there we kind down of with the ship yeah he was and he you know we had mentioned like all the the players that could potentially get 40 minutes of playing time I really hope that he doesn't do this too often because if he does we're probably in trouble, but if there's anybody out there, I don't know if you agree with this too, but if there's anybody out there on the floor that I want playing 40 minutes, it's got to be Buddy Bayheim. He's just, it's his team. It's his team and he's going to, he's going to try to right the ship. Amen to that. So looking forward, we need to learn or Cuse needs to learn, move forward from this, have a short memory battle for Atlantis coming up. Are you excited, Zach, or are you a little bit nervous heading into this VCU matchup? I'm excited. I think the guys are excited. Like, I, I try to think. Obviously, I, I'm not in the locker room. I don't know. But these these guys obviously are bummed about this game, but they got to have a short memory about this one, learn what they can, and they, they just got to forget. It's like, it happened. It sucks. <laughs> but guess what? We got VCU knocking on our door. We have a big tournament with, with high competition coming up. And we're gonna do what we know we can do, and we're gonna ball to the best of our ability. That is true. And I think I think I think the the key is 
to, to learn and then to execute on what you learned. And, and we'll see what happens against VCU. VCU also just coming off a loss against Chattanooga, but Chattanooga is really no slouch either. I believe that they're 4-0 or 5-0 on the year now. So they, again, quality opponent, but people are saying, oh, they lost their bye game to Chattanooga. Again, Chattanooga is a pretty good school, and so is Colgate too, man. Like these these quote-unquote bye games, I don't know, they're, they're a lot harder than people are making them out to be. So just because they're not in a major conference doesn't mean that they aren't good. Um, these are going to be some tough matchups coming up against very, very good opponents. Any team that you look at on this roster of, of schools for battle, battle for Atlantis, there's no easy matchups coming up. And I think that this is going to be a good building block heading into the year. Um, it's going to be good for our resume. If we can get some, some quality wins, if we can go three and oh, that will be lovely. But Zach, this is a business trip, all right? We can't screw around in the Bahamas. It's going to be beautiful weather. I get that. But this is a business trip, right? We got to have that mindset going in. No sipping on coconuts on the beach. We're locking in and we got to play three straight games. We got to win this thing. But I do want to ask, like, are, are these three games a must win to preserve the season? Like, obviously, we're going into Battle for Lance on a low note after a loss to Colgate. How are we feeling? Do we need to win these games? Like, what, How are we feeling where things just currently stand? I feel like for the confidence of the team, these are must-perform-well games. I'm not saying that they're must-win games, but we got to play well against some of these schools so we can have our confidence up. I would rather have a I would not I would rather just not have a loss, but if you are going to have a loss, have a loss against like a Baylor who is incredibly talented and you go in there, play your hearts out, and you only win by like a couple points. I still think that you can bring some confidence out of that as opposed to, you know, Colgate putting up a hundred against you. It's just that's a little bit like healthier. Uh it's come away from that, feeling a little bit better. Than, than a Colgate loss. So I don't want to say that they're must win to preserve the season, but I feel like they're must, must perform well, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? I don't, I don't know if that does. No, it makes that makes a hundred percent. I think that's beautifully put. And like you've kind of touched on, like we're playing such high competition where as long as we do perform well, then, you know, that should be a testament of, you know, we got our mojo back. I do think, Overall, we do need to, I think we got to leave the Bahamas with at least one win. Yeah, I agree with otherwise, that. Otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. We have to leave the Bahamas with one win, at, at least. Yeah, there's gonna, I think. There's going to be a lot of learning about this team coming up over the next couple of days. And I'm excited, but... I'm just hoping that we get some win, man. I hope that I hope that we come back or get our first win against VCU, come back from that Colgate game, and we need to thrash VCU to get the confidence up. And I think that that's going to be the tone setter kind of heading into the next couple of games. Um, if you can get that first win, man, I, it's got to be, you know, that's got to set the bar pretty high. So I don't want to say that they're must-win, Zach, but... They are must-perform wells for sure. We're going to take a Thanksgiving break. 
but not on social media, Zach. We're going to be grinding away on social media, okay? So make sure you follow us at the 23 Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Post a lot of cool stuff out there. We want everybody to to tune in on it. A lot of, a lot of positive stuff. There's not going to be any sort of like, Jim, get out of here. Please retire on our page. We will not tolerate it because it's it's blasphemy. All right. It's it's BS. It's a word that I really can't say on this podcast, but you will not hear from us until after the battle for Atlantis in the Bahamas. We will wrap it all up after that. But uh, until then, Zach, it's business as usual in the Bahamas. All right. Business trip. No sipping on coconuts on the beach, although that does sound really, really nice right now. It's time to lock in. Happy uh, Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. That'll do it from us. We'll see you later. Peace. Peace.